This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 92. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, entrepreneur, mentor, and coach Donna Maria, the founder and CEO of the Indie Business Network. My goal is to help you build a solid business foundation increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I interview Lauren Van Scoy of Essence One in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Lauren turned to aromatherapy after feeling anxious and depressed following the birth of her children. After being diagnosed by a health professional with major depression manifesting as anxiety, she was prescribed medication, but her doctor suggested that she explore complementary alternatives, including essential oils. Lauren took this idea and ran with it, eventually becoming a certified aromatherapist and making her own blends. When her friends started asking her to make blends for them, the old entrepreneurial itch started to get scratched and Essence One was born. I cannot wait for you to hear more from Lauren and her Essence One story. But first, this episode of the Indie Business Podcast is brought to you by the Maker Mastermind newsletter, the weekly newsletter for makers and artisan entrepreneurs that delivers quick tips and insights to help you break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love. Sign up at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash subscribe. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 92. And now let's welcome Lauren Van Scoy of Essence One in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Well, Lauren Van Scoy of Essence One in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Indie Business Podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, Lauren, I'm so excited about having you on the show for so many reasons, but I'll just pick one and dive into that. And that is that you seem to be a lover of aromatherapy. I am. Yes. Well, I'm going to start with that. Tell us the aromatherapy story that led to your business, or maybe the business led to aromatherapy. I don't know which, but <laughs> I'd love to hear hear a little bit about that. That sounds great. Yeah, I um, aromatherapy hasn't always been part of my life, but I um, about in 2015, 16, um, after the birth of my second child, I started turning to aromatherapy actually after um, having some struggles with, um, anxiety and depression. So after kids, you, you know, you look for the postpartum stage, which I, you know, was fine. And then about a year after, um, having my second child, I started experiencing, um, just some really major anxiety that I hadn't ever experienced before, which it was pretty much social anxiety. So, you know, being able to have a conversation with one person was difficult when I used Mm -hmm. to be, a more social, um, you know, I loved social gatherings, my calendar was always filled with um, activities. And and it just kind of all of a sudden, I started to find that my anxiety was debilitating to the point of just always wanting to, you know, be at home, 
Um, even my closest friends, you know, it was, it was uncomfortable just to kind of be around most mm-hmm. people. And I, I couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, some of my friends actually suggested that I go see a therapist and see, you know, what, what's going on. And so quickly I was diagnosed with major depression manifesting as anxiety. Um, and it was kind of just, I had been, you know, so, uh, um, active and and didn't really realize that maybe I wasn't getting enough sleep or I wasn't taking care of myself and just one day I kind of just cracked and so that was um, the explanation behind the sudden um, social anxiety and you know uncomfortable feelings Mm -hmm. that I knew Mm -hmm. should I didn't I knew I didn't need to feel that I knew you know looking at Facebook and seeing people's happy lives wasn't you know the reality of everything but it was definitely something that would affect me you know, and I had to explore all the different options. So my doctor um, prescribed medication, but also had said, you know, if there's other things um, that can help complement the medication or lifestyle changes like eating better and exercising and only one cup of coffee a day, which was absurd at the time, but now that's what I stick to. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so she just recommended, I, I was already looking kind of into essential oils and herbs and um, she suggested that I explore that a little bit more, knowing that mm-hmm, it was something, mm-hmm. you know, scent has always been something that I've um, identified with and loved. And so aromatherapy was one of the uh, lifestyle changes that, you know, just complementing um, my, you know, everybody has a different combination of things mm-hmm. that can help them through mm-hmm. these things. So it's not to say one thing can cure your anxiety, but it was just something that I, you know, it would make me feel a little bit more uplifted. It would calm me down if I, you know, smelled certain essential oils. So um, I was interested in finding out the science behind it, which I got my certification then in aromatherapy and just wanted to teach people Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. how to make their own natural products, how to use aromatherapy. Um, And in that people started saying, you know, I love these products. I just don't have time to make them. Can you make them for me and I'll pay you. So that's how Essence One got started. I love it. And And so can you tell us where you got your certification? Yes. So AromaHead is where I got certified. AromaHead Institute. It's all, um, it's an online program. I think it started in person in Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, Andrea's, you know, the the instructor and owner, and it was just a great program to do at my own pace. I had a day job at the time. So. Okay. And how long did it take you to finish the whole thing? Uh, for me, it was one year. And that it is, was because, it is a really yeah. good course. Oh, I love um, it. I'm, I'm taking it as well to get oh, recertified. Good. I have a certification as well, but I'm taking it was it's old. So yeah. things have changed a lot over the years. So I'm getting recertified through, um, through the same course. So that's super oh, exciting. So take us back to that time, like when you first started to feel this, you connected it to the childbirth. Is that sort of the the time that you Um, noticed it? Yeah. Yes. About a year after, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it was um, all, you know, it was, I was very busy. I didn't take time, you know, for myself to de-stress. I was either at work or I was socializing or I was at home, you know, taking care of kids and cleaning the house and all of those daily things. So for me, I actually think one part of it was um, just kind of overbooking myself and not mm, mm-hmm. actually finding things that helped me relax. So um, what did you do? Like you, you started mm-hmm. using, 
some of the things that, you know, your therapist and friends and so forth had suggested. And one was aromatherapy. So like, mm-hmm. was there a certain blend that you created that you found helped you the most? And, or how did you actually start uh, yeah. in, in addition to the therapy and things? How did you actually start using what you were making to help yourself feel better? Well, one thing, you know, that you learn in, in the aromatherapy courses are the different components within each essential oil. So I could as I was learning, I could understand what essential oils had a calming component to them. And everyone, you know, lavender is always the the go-to and the most popular one. Uh, I'm not a huge lavender lover, so I could find, you know, other things, um, even, even realizing that a simple, you know, bedtime uh, blend of lavender and orange is helpful because orange, you know, is immune, you know, immune, immune support, excuse me. But also combining those two, calming you down, making you sleep is also like the sleep is also helpful for your immune system. The more sleep you get, the more, you know, mentally balanced you feel. So just exploring the different essential oils that had those effects was part of it, deciding which ones I enjoyed the scent of, and then, you know, making my own blends. So Essence One is all my own blends that I just kind of played with the different oils, knowing that calming was something that everyone needs. And then of course, uplifting sense in those harder, mm-hmm. harder moments. So. so you started making these for yourself and then you started helping other people make them and then they didn't have time to make them. So you started <laughs> making them and selling them. That's a short, exactly. that's a short version. That's the short <laughs> version. Of course, my plan was different. You know, I, I wanted to be, um, to do consultations with my education and make custom blends for people specifically what their needs were um and then you know the retail side just kind of took over and seeing okay I can make these things with these intentions and see how they fit into people's lives and and see that oh this is helping them feel better and I I knew when I started Essence One I wanted the mental health piece to always be at the forefront so that we were breaking the stigma behind talking about it that I was telling my story Um, Just knowing the more that I talked about it, I actually felt it was helpful for me, you know, in the healing process, because you realize so many people go through the same things and so many Mm -hmm. um, experiences are similar. And so by having this retail side of things, it was kind of it's more of a vehicle to be able to talk about. So are you glad you went in that direction? Are you glad you did that instead of? Okay, so what was the first product that you made? What was it? Oh, the great question. The first three, because my line is a little too expansive right now. We're working on on reducing some of the skews, but the first three were um, lip balm uh, and then deodorant and uh, beard oil. So they were products that you'd use, you know, in your daily routine, but that tied aromatherapy in just because sometimes aromatherapy can be overwhelming to people who don't you know, they don't understand essential oils or they don't want to make their own blends. So I tried to work it into things that people would actually use, you know, daily. Those are really interesting first products. Now, let me just (laughs) tell you, here was what I thought I was going to hear. I thought I was going to hear either a spray or a roll-on or some sort of facial oil. Yeah, I, I didn't start with that because I knew there's so many companies out there and it's hard, you know, especially with how many different essential oil companies, you know, just selling essential oils there are. And I didn't know that that would be something people would be interested in. And so the, you know, the, especially getting rid of um, products with 
um, synthetics or toxins, mm -hmm. you know, it's, mm -hmm. it was kind of like a, let's, let's also get, try to get rid of those things in people's, um, people's homes and lives, and then also tie in the aromatherapy. So you, you said that you're working on paring your line down, like, did, did you find <laughs> that you just, you just added too much at once? Or are you just, are you just uh, loving the making process? And, and like, and, and just yeah. want to put more products out there. Like, how did you get to the point where you were like, wow, we, we need to pare down. Realizing the uh, value in my current inventory was when I thought, okay, I have way too many different bottle shapes and, you know, ingredients and essential oils and uh, formulating is my favorite part of it. But now that I, I can't make everything on my own anymore and I have, um, staff people and you know being able to educate them and have their mm. assistance also makes mm -hmm. you realize I have a lot of products and you know part of it was because I loved formulating and part of it was because our right. customers were asking for different you know different products so I would right. say oh sure let me let me get that together for you so so as you grow then are you finding that um you need to like be like be scale down to scale up. Is that a good way to say it? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. And I, you know, you, I go, um, I've had some business analysis look at things and that's always kind of their first thing is you don't want to have a line, you know, that's too big. You, if you find your specialties and the products that mm -hmm. sell the most and realizing I don't need to keep this product if I only sell, you know, mm -hmm. 20 of it in a year, that's really not um, right. product that's necessary. And so what is your best selling product? Like I'm at your website now and I have mm -hmm. to tell you, I just <laughs> want to buy everything. Like, um, of course I can't. And, I, I, you <laughs> yeah. know, and maybe that's part of what you're describing is that is that my eyes just go to a lot of different places. Yeah. Although I have to tell you, the, the facial care picture with the oranges on it, it's just oh, like yeah. a showstopper right there. So <laughs> right. that may end my, my query right there, but there you what is your best-selling product? Well, our best-selling product is our shower steamers actually. Um, oh, wow. And they are, yeah, they're basically, you know, aromatherapy for your shower, but the, mm -hmm. um, we use herbs. So I am studying herbalism as well. So I've tied a little bit of the herbs into things as well, but um, yeah, our shower steamers are, our most popular product of course they're one of the most labor intensive products that we have too so it's a mm -hmm. it's a love hate bittersweet kind of thing um but our, and also anything in our morning calm scent so the morning calm is um our top selling scent and kind of what i discovered was people liked it so much that you know it, they'd smell it in a lotion and then hop online and buy six other products in the morning calm scent. So those are the two. Ooh, isn't that nice when you stumble across yes. a scent that can, can like be infused into almost anything? Yes. Yep. Ooh, and nice. Yeah. That was a fun discovery. Of course I like all of my scents, but that one. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. But yeah, that's the most popular one. Well, Lauren, how do you, I mean, we see this gorgeous website here and you obviously sell your products online uh, mm -hmm. from your website. What are some of the other ways that you sell your products? So we do have retail accounts nationally. Um, one of our um, national partners is Room and Board. And so they have, I think it's 17 locations around the country. Uh, so people, that's, you know, a larger 
and then we also have smaller boutique stores, um, mm-hmm. kind of heavier in Minnesota, which is where I'm located. But um, yeah, so we do have the retail partnerships as well, uh, that we also partner with. Um, and then we have um, our, our big state fairs in Minnesota. And so that's mm-hmm. a big event that we sell out where we have um, our own space and a booth. And once you're into the state fair, you're in. So it's mm-hmm. once you get accepted, you don't want to let your spot go. So we do that. Of course. Well. Yeah. So Lauren, <laughs> how do you uh, like wholesale vis-a-vis selling direct to consumers, either on your website or at at fairs like do you have a favorite uh way to sell your products well honestly my favorite is to the customer directly because i can tell my story and i can make sure that the mental health um message and peace are communicated Uh, Mm -hmm. we appreciate all of our retail partners and love Mm -hmm. that that they um they sell for us but we don't get the same face-to-face um you know contact or you know maybe it's mailing list but um and and we get a little bit right. more feedback from consumers mm-hmm. directly. So just being able to have that conversation and make sure mm-hmm. that our mission is out there. We're mm-hmm. working on communicating that better, you know, with our retail partners so that people can see it on the shelf and know more about our company. But that's kind of the next right. phase of needing yeah. money and resources for that. But. Yeah. And it's so, it's such a big part of it, isn't it? That people are not just buying the product, they're buying the story behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, when you, what year was it that you started your business? Uh, 2016. So that's only been like four and a half, five years. So Mm -hmm. you have grown both on the retail side, direct to consumers, and also on the wholesale side. Like, have you intentionally strategize that way or has it just sort of organically grown in that way how how have you managed the directional growth of your business well I listen to a lot of your podcasts I I love the Facebook groups I love all the advice that people give Um, and so when I first started I think it's you don't really realize you think oh my goodness you know retailing or wholesaling I have to cut my prices in half, you know, that Mm. seems silly Mm -hmm. when I can get full price from a, you know, a customer, but I knew that, that that side of it was really helpful. And I would say 2019 was when I attended my first trade show and I saw, um, you know, and that's a big investment and it's a scary Mm -hmm. amount of money, but I also saw the return in doing that. And so, you know, that's where you get to tell your story to the, to the retailers and that's when they can take it back to their consumers. So Yeah. Yeah. So I started in 16 and, you know, I had some wholesale accounts before 2019, but um, 2019 kind of kicked off that, um, that side of wholesaling and, and really seeing that Mm -hmm. volume can be helpful, Mm -hmm. even though you're cutting your prices in half. Yeah. volume can be really helpful. Um, right. When that big check comes in or that big amount, yeah. it makes it a lot less painful to sell the product for 50% yeah. or what have you. So what was <laughs> exactly. the show that you did that, that you, um, that kicked you off there? Yeah, so my first trade show was America's Mart um, mm. in Atlanta. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, you, even just going to one of those shows, you see anything from, you know, me, my first show was, you know, right. I got some Ikea furniture and some, mm-hmm. you know, some vinyl backdrops. And then mm-hmm. you see these other huge companies with 
walk-in booths and it's like they built an entire house as their as their booth about that <laughs> um, I know so the the um, difference in who's there can be intimidating but it's actually great to know that there's a lot of people just like you that are starting that are you know people to care about the new products the new brands they want to hear your stories but I also learned how to step out of my comfort zone and actually approach people because if you stand there and you hope that people are going to come to you, it's not as easy as that. So you have to no, figure out what you're not. Yeah. Step out of your. It's so funny room. though. You know, I went to a, 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 like a farmer's market kind of pop up in my neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, recently. And I saw there was one company there selling uh, hemp products, yeah. which are like the, you know, one of the hottest things yeah. ever right yeah. now. There were two people sitting there. They were both reading books, mm-hmm. slouched in their chair. And it was maybe 25 people because it was like a little pop-up in the neighborhood. They were the only table where there was not a single customer, the mm-hmm. only one when I was there. And of course, you know, I, you know me, right? Because I wanted to just pick up my phone and, and make a point of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. here's what not this to what do. Yeah, exactly. But of course I didn't do that because I thought they might like throw things at me. Um, but I just thought, I don't know how in the world you think you're going to sell anything. Um, so to that point, like you really have to keep your energy up at these events because it's, if you have a chair there, it's very tempting to sit in. And if you have a book, it's very tempting to read it when you just Mm -hmm. get tired. So how do you prepare for one of these shows that you do? And how do you keep your energy up? Like what aromatherapy blend do you use um, as well? But really, how do you do that? Because that I think is one of the hardest things for people to do is to like the the work of the actual show is one thing, but my goodness, getting the stuff there and setting it up is a whole nother thing. It is. And I think it's, you know, um, you can do it in a less expensive way. So my first time I flew with all my product in suitcases, you know, I, and I did bring someone with me. I brought someone who was um, a little more high energy than I am knowing that I would need a break or I would need, it would, it would be worth the investment. Yes. If I had to do it all on my own, I don't, I, I don't think I would have made it through because it's an emotional roller coaster as well. You know, you can Mm. stand there and and put yourself out there and, you know, one day get nothing. And then the next day, I think Crate and Barrel signed us on, you know, like that first time. And oh my kind goodness. Of a, yeah. But, you know, up, leading up to that, you think, oh, goodness, you know, I've invested so much money. I've invested so much time. And you really do have to stay positive because you never know who's going to come your way. And you want to try to stay as fresh as you can. And you know, as upbeat as you can. And, and knowing that people do want to hear your story, and they want to know why they should buy from you, I think is helpful, because you, you are, you know, if you haven't had that experience before, you think, oh, I have to go try to sell something. But really, it's just giving people information about why they and why and how they can support you. I love that lesson. Like, it was a completely almost dead day. And then the next day, Crate and Barrel showed up. (laughs) Right. I mean, how, how much more of a story could there be um, mm-hmm. to emphasize how important it is to keep showing up? Oh, yes. It, and it is. And, and you will get customers. You will find mm-hmm. the right fit because just like there's a variety of companies and booths there, there's mm-hmm. also a variety of buyers and people who 
are looking for someone just like you. So really it's kind of trying to find that partnership and that fit that works for both of you and knowing mm-hmm. that people are there for you, you know, you just mm-hmm. have to, to find them um, or they find you. Lauren, what is your biggest challenge right now as an entrepreneur and how are you overcoming it? Hmm, I think the biggest challenge for me is financially, you know, you're always, you always um, hear about all these different things you can do different shows you can do, different things you can invest in. And I'm somebody who I like to take the chance. I like to make sure that I did everything that I could to try to succeed instead of thinking, you know, a year ago, oh, I should have taken that opportunity to go to this trade show or to get, you know, um, to get my name out there. And so I think you can't do everything. So you have to figure out how to utilize your finances and, um, I think if you had unlimited funds, obviously you'd, you'd probably go for every opportunity, but for me, it's thinking, mm-hmm. okay, what, what should I invest in? Mm-hmm. Um, and to know that I, I did everything that I could. Mm-hmm. That is such an interesting, um, you know, it is a challenge that the finances, obviously um, I know that's such, it's like, that's one of the first things that comes to, I think any entrepreneur's mind, because there's always more Mm -hmm. things to do than we can afford to do. There's always more stuff, um, not stuff, but more things that we want to invest in. And we have to, Mm -hmm. you know, constantly talk ourselves out of thinking that we don't have enough, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and what that's... to choose, you know, I think mm-hmm. yeah. for me, it was, okay, now I can, um, now I can hire, or I, I can hire someone or I can spend the money on this. And you get to a certain point where you think, okay, if I hire someone to be, to help me with this, you know, the weight of everything that you're doing, because at one point you're doing everything and then you think, okay, now I can afford to, um, to like clear things off my plate and hire someone uh, once you choose that, then you think, okay, now you've freed up your time to go try to get more sales or to try to increase your, um, you know, your financial um, right pool. Right. But I think <laughs> getting to that point of, okay, I, there, what, what order to spend that money in? That's it. Well, that, that probably is a good next question because when you're right, when you do, and, and tell us a little bit about that process though, Lauren, because when you're making everything yourself, there's obvious um, additional stress associated with that. But on the flip side, you're making everything yourself. Like you have complete quality control. Mm-hmm. You, um, you set your own schedule. You don't have to manage anyone else. Nobody else. If you get sick, you can handle it. But when you hire someone, you got to mm-hmm. worry about what happens when they get sick. And you've got, you got all the safety precautions and all the things you have to teach someone else. So what is that? Yeah. What was that transition like for you? And what suggestions would you have for others mm-hmm. who are like, okay, I'm maxed out the making myself right now, but I, I don't know what I need to do in my mind first, because the mindset mm-hmm. comes first to bring somebody else on board. How do you, how did you prepare your business? I guess is what I'm saying. And what mm-hmm. lessons did you learn that you could share? Well, the first thing that I did, because it is, it's scary to let go of, yes, the control and the quality and the, um, you know, all of the different things that even just your, your recipes or your formulations to, to introduce those to somebody else. 
Um, the way that I started, and again, it was because I always kind of had the financial piece in my mind was um, getting some, you know, part-time contract people who would just tell me, okay, I can work eight days this or eight hours this week. Do you want, you know, do you want me to work all eight hours or four hours? Uh, but that was a nice transition that allowed me to look, look at my, you know, my workload. So I, I quit my day job. Um, you quit so, it in 2019? I'm sorry, 2018. So 2018. Two, about two, yeah, two and a half years after I started Essence One. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. that was a, a decision that I, you know, my, my former boss was amazing and supported me and, you know, even helped me design my first labels and, um, you know, she was just very supportive in my efforts, knowing that what I was doing was bringing joy to, to my life and something, you know, that I, of course mm-hmm. I was making soap at 2 a.m., um, you know, yeah, then I would go to I work know that feeling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so in starting to, to hire people, it was nice to mm-hmm. be able to have that kind of part-time op- time mm-hmm. option. Um, and then just ease into it because at some point you think, okay, I've got this person working for me for this long. This is how much it's costing me. How much more could I do if I had this person working full-time or, you know, take these people and turn it into one job. Um, So I just know, first of all, the biggest step was being able to go full-time essence one because I could concentrate on the business 100%. And that was when I really started seeing the growth. Um, because I didn't have to share it with my other job and so making that decision obviously is important and luckily yes Mm -hmm. my spouse you know had an income so Mm -hmm. um, I was able to um, to do that but uh, yes so once I went full-time that was stage one and stage two was hiring people so -hmm. that I could free up my time because also the more you grow the more administrative work you have the more almost I said right, the boring right. stuff you know that's right not we fun, don't but... hire somebody and then kick back in a hammock right no like we're yeah. glad that's over y'all yeah, take over near. so you <laughs> exactly. so you started in 2016 in 2018 mm-hmm. you quit your job and went full-time when mm-hmm. did you hire your first uh, assistant or person to help you um I hired so I had the part-time contract workers in mm-hmm. 2018 so that was, it was about when I quit my job because I had gotten mm-hmm. accepted into the state fair and I knew that that was going to be extensive making and I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. So I had my first part-time person then. My first, was, she, was she making or he making remotely or with you on a contract uh, basis? Me. Like how did that work? Usually with me or um, she would come and take things home. So she, okay. you know, labeling mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, shrink wrapping, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was still the main maker and then, mm-hmm. um, I hired my first salaried staff people just this past August, actually. And now Ooh, I have how exciting. Time. Yeah. So you hired in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, I did. I hired two How do we time. not love this? Okay. <laughs> so I just, I just get so excited when I hear, you know, small business owners talk about, you know, taking these, um, amazing leaps in the middle of a time when there's no roadmap for the leap like that for the leap um brilliant so when you when you hired your first salaried person like did you hire somebody to help you do that or did you like do you use a payroll service like how how did that come to be yes so I started as um an internship so that I could kind of practice handing off 
some of the more major things. So, um, you know, administrative, um, organizational, I didn't pack all the orders anymore. Um, she could help do that. So we started it that way. And then once I realized, okay, I can one financially support this and two, it's been clear that I can accomplish more because mm-hmm. I have someone to help me. Um, so that's when I uh, hired the first full-time person. Great. Great. And so do you use like a payroll service for her or do you do everything yourself? Yeah. How do you, how do you manage that? Yep. So once I hired her, um, I also hired another person two months later and now we're on our third. Um, so I did at that point, I, you know, I was paying by, PayPal and Venmo, I think. And now we're on a a payroll service called Gusto. And Mm -hmm. that helps um, with payroll as well as different um, benefits. So you can add medical, you know, um, retirement, all those different things. Right. And then all the withholdings and all the state stuff. It's like, you don't have to worry about all those details. So you're able to offer some medical benefits as well. Yeah, so if they if they are interested, we pay um, half of the premium, and then the employee pays half out of their check. Oh, did you find the insurance for them, or did they get to just choose their own? Well, I found it through the Gusto um, oh, payroll. So they give you different, yeah, they give you different choices. And... Oh, how exciting! That must be so exciting yeah. to be able to to do that. And so it frees you to focus more on leading the business forward, right? Because you have some of your brain time um, that would otherwise be invest, excuse me, invested elsewhere into like having the ability to strategize more about where you want to go. Exactly. You start to feel like a real company then. (laughs) Yeah. You you put on that CEO hat girl. (laughs) <laughs> even though even though you're real the day you start it you know you yes just, of course everything is, everything is just so you know you rely and I and that yeah. was one thing that I I learned too is even when you mm-hmm. go to a trade show or a pop-up you take advantage of that time to talk to other business owners and learn from them because even if you sell you know a hundred dollars the mm-hmm. value in the conversations that you have and the lessons mm-hmm. that you learn are priceless Yes. Isn't that interesting how once you have a business, like every conversation becomes a mastermind conversation? Yes. Like <laughs> almost. And so funny too, to think that even though, you know, as, as we grow and you hire people, um, you put on your CEO hat, but the truth of the matter is you never take any hats off. You just no. add hats. Uh, You're just very, adding very more hats. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Yeah. But as you grow, right, you become more capable of wearing the other hats and you get better at wearing all the hats and then you realize you can share some of those hats. So while you may never be able to take it off completely, you can share it with someone else and, and, and lighten the load for yourself and have other people around you that may even ultimately do a better job than you at some of those things. Exactly. That's the other part. They might do a better job. I, I used to be organized. And now that I own a business, I am not organized. You know, I have the same issue. So let me, let me ask you a question. Do you find that your employees or the people that help you in your business often are telling you what to do? Yes. Yeah, I find that too. I'm like, thank yep. you for telling me what to do because I got off track. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. interesting. Where should we yep. It is. It really is. Yeah. So, so what among your products 
is the best selling product as in like, you're not going to be, these will not be on the cutting room floor when you, when you take your scalpel out um, in a little bit to, to scale back the line. What are your favorite, uh, your, your best selling products, Lauren? Um, so the, the uh, shower steamers are top seller. Um, the other ones more specifically because of the pandemic was mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the hand spray, the purifying hand spray. Ah, uh, yes. And then the mask refresher spray. So those were both okay. products that our customers basically requested that we do. Uh-huh. Um, and it paid off because those, those carried yeah. us through, um, you know, so much, but I also found that people were so interested in self-care for themselves, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. just gifting to other people. And oh, so gifting yeah. was huge for us. Um, it's just so people. fun to give these yeah. types of products to your friends. It's it such is. a caring gesture. It really um, is. Yeah. And, you know, I love your branding. I love your labels. Oh. Like, did you design these? They're beautiful. Thank you. I know I had somebody else design them. I'm not, um, I'm not a designer, but uh, yeah, we just, we found a good, um, a good niche. This was my second, or this was a rebrand, my first rebrand. So my initial brand looked different, but I rebranded after two years, I believe it was. So right around the time that you were quitting your job? Yep. Just before. Yep. Wow. I bet you needed some aromatherapy back then, right? Because you had <laughs> oh, a job, yeah. you were quitting your job, you were rebranding the business, uh, the, the brand that you had, you were doing your first show, you were hiring your first employee. So um, gosh, um, good for you <laughs> that you discovered aromatherapy, right? Because um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet you go back as, as the leader of your business you probably go back to using the basics of aromatherapy to help yourself continue to thrive and stay healthy, right? Yes. And we also just in, so we still do hand make everything um, Mm -hmm. just in higher quantities now, but we all get Mm -hmm. the therapy just in being in our studio space and smelling it all day. Yeah, but yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Do you yeah. plan to continue, as far as you know, to make everything in house? Because obviously, as you grow, that you know there are more options available. Mm-hmm. No, I think we will always hand make a good portion of it. But there's definitely, um, you know, I've been in a subscription box, so at one point I had to look reach out to a, a manufacturer for that because we couldn't make seventeen thousand hand sanitizers in two weeks or whatever. So um, I have explored the options as far as manufacturing go, but there's also a piece that I always want to keep, you know, we Mm -hmm. know we can do it. It employs people Mm -hmm. in our, our company. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do always want to keep that aspect as part of essence one. You know, that, that is so fascinating to me and also very exciting because I think that is, almost the antithesis of what people think of when they think about um, capitalism and, and small business, quote unquote, success in this country is that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you want to make more money, you have to farm it out. Like if you want to be more, quote unquote, successful, you have to get, you know, you have to be able to make more in a less amount of time. Um, 
Uh, are you are you like tempted by that? Because I know we we see and we hear that all around us sometimes. Is that just something that you're not? It's just not a part of what your story is going to be. Yeah, it really isn't. I I mm-hmm. feel like if, if I can make you know if I my first year of salary was this past year. I was not paying myself up until last fall. Um, I'm, and I'm my pushing thought- the clap meter. We're giving a clap. Yes, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I know. And so now that I can pay myself, you know, that was kind of step one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, it's not a goal to take over the, the world. It's not, um, <laughs> you know, I just, oh I want, I'm so tired of that mentality. I know. No, it's, it's to, for me and my employees to feel like mm-hmm. you know they're making a comfortable living that mm-hmm. we still love, love what we do. I never yeah. want to bogged down by this, you know, obviously owning a business is stressful, but I think Mm -hmm. I I don't want to set myself up for that, you know, constant Mm -hmm. stress and how are we going to get bigger and better? And yeah, I do think I learned about pricing too. I took some great courses Mm -hmm. on how to price your products so that Mm -hmm. you are making a healthy margin. It's called, so I, I took Layla Barker's class, of course. Um, And then also I took um, how to make a living selling what you make, which is on uh-huh. creative live. I think it is, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but it talked through just how to make sure that you're covering all your costs and that you are right. charging money for what you're doing, because obviously hand making things takes longer and does yeah. cost more when it comes to labor, but yeah. people will pay for that. And so you just yes. want to make sure they're supported. Are you finding that, are you surprised that people will pay? Like I'm finding that in today's world, people are more willing and and actually excited than ever to pay for the value that they're getting from products that are made on a, a, on a smaller scale by people like you. Yes. Yep. And they will, they'll pay for it. They, especially this past year, I felt Mm -hmm. the support for small business has been massive, you know, yeah. Um, and, and they so value are it willing, more, don't they? They value it. They do. Mm-hmm. They really do. And they, they know that, yes, they're supporting you. They're supporting your company, your mission, your staff members. So, yes, my sanitizer is $12 and people paid $12 for sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, they're supporting you, of course. Uh, but, yes. But what's also so... I guess synergistic is that you're supporting them. It's not just a product that you can just buy. You can buy hand sanitizer anywhere, but there are intangibles and community and all sorts of, as you say, the story that Mm -hmm. is folded into your brand, which allows you to increase the price above and beyond like the actual numbers of, you know, how much the oil costs and how much the bottle costs and so forth. And Mm -hmm. that value is something that you can't duplicate. No. And that's, and we do give back, we give back to um, bring change to mind, which is a national organization. Mm -hmm. And we sponsor Mm -hmm. mental health clubs in high schools. And so just that piece too, is something that people know that they're giving to, you know, especially I think back to high school, if I, if I knew that talking about my feelings and, you know, that most people were in the same boat would have been mm. helpful back then. Um, mm-hmm. I think we would all have different lives. And so just being able to support that too is, is important to us and other people. 
It's so interesting that you say that because I know I know that you mentioned that you're a parent and Mm -hmm. I'm a parent as well. And that feeling of when you're in that sort of tween to teenage age group, that feeling of you're the only one Mm -hmm. is so intense at that time. And um, it it just, you know, I just, my, my kids are going through this. And so I just really feel it. And of course I felt it when I was their age, but you know, we're moms, like we feel it so much more when it's (laughs) happening to them. So it's so great that your products are there to help people um, and, you know, can buy these for our children as well to help uh, which one of your blends or products would you recommend for someone who is feeling a little bit out of sorts right now and wanting to like get a little bit more grounded? Um, the morning calm rollerball, I would suggest, because it's something that people can take with them, but it's got a patchouli, spearmint, bergamot, mint, um, combination of essential oils and you know kids are used to using rollerballs now um, it's a gender neutral scent so it can work for anyone um, and it's just easy because you can take it you know take it to school take it in your purse take it in your briefcase uh, but that's everybody's favorite rollerball is the the morning calm oh my gosh I love the sound of that product I know the perfect person I got I got family members who need <laughs> that product. So I'm definitely going to be on the hunt for that when we're done. So as we close out, Lauren, I would love to know, you know, so many people, um, you know, they have a business and it's their passion. They also have a traditional job. And, you know, while obviously you can have both, some people want to leave their job and make their business their full-time professional endeavor. And you've done that. So what advice as we close out, can you offer to people who are in that position, like what strategies can you share and what did you learn that you can share? What mistakes would you avoid for someone who would want to do that? Say before we close out this year or maybe next year, that's their goal. Mm -hmm. Well, I would encourage it, especially if it's their passion, because one, we all know it takes a lot, especially um, to just kind of keep things going. So I think I always think if I didn't love what I did, um, I wouldn't still be doing this. So you've got to have that passion and that drive. Um, But, you know, making sure that you're financially stable is number one. So, um, you know, and a lot of people do have stories of that they aren't financially stable, but being able to Mm -hmm. concentrate on their Mm -hmm. business 100%, um, you know, you see the growth and and that's the same as me. Once I was, Mm -hmm. once I was able to concentrate 100% on Essence One, I saw the growth and if you're fueled by your passion and you're willing to, you know, I, I always just approach people, you know, for PR coverage or for big opportunities. Right. I just think, why not try? Um, and we've gotten so much out of that. Just why not mm-hmm. try? You don't always get everything you, you know, you try to, to uh, achieve, but mm-hmm. um, you've got nothing to lose. I love I that approach. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Michael Jordan who said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. And it's so true. You can't argue with that. <laughs> you can't, you can, we certainly can't argue with uh, success in basketball <laughs> with the, with that strategy anyway. So right. um, it's a good, good uh, mindset to have Lauren mm-hmm. Van Scoy at essence one dot life. Check it out everyone. And also follow on Instagram 
at Essence One Life. It's a wonderful brand. It's a great story. And, you know, let's go shopping. (laughs) Very excited to get a chance to talk to you, Lauren. Thank you so much for your sharing your story, your authenticity, your vulnerability, and also for letting us know some of your tips and strategies for growing a business that is also your passion. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Take care now. All right. Thank you. Well, I hope this episode of the Indie Business Podcast left you inspired, motivated, and excited about the future of your small business. Let's quickly review three of the most significant insights Lauren and I discussed today. Number one, transitioning from solopreneur. Lauren shared that one of her biggest challenges has been going from doing everything herself to hiring help. After she quit her job two and a half years after starting her business, she quickly hired her first part-time contractor. She now has employees whom she actually hired in the middle of the pandemic. Lauren says it's kind of scary to let things go, but doing so freed her to actually lead the business and devote more time to the administrative duties that are so important to effectively leading Essence One. Number two, Lauren on the value of handmade. Even though she uses outside companies, she says, to make some of her products for larger collaborative projects like subscription boxes and huge runs, she is dedicated to keeping production in-house and handmade. She likes the level of control that she has and also loves employing people in her community. Lauren acknowledges that making products by hand increases costs, but she also shared that people will pay more for the value of a well-made handmade product. And number three, quitting your job to go full-time in entrepreneurship. As someone who quit her job to turn her passion into a business, Lauren encourages you to go for it. However, she cautions quickly to make sure that you are financially stable as much as possible before doing so. No amount of passion can make up for a missed mortgage payment, right? And Lauren said that financial stability enabled her to focus on her business without additional worry. When she finally quit her job and focused on her business full time, that's when the growth happened. Lauren says, use your passion as fuel and maintain a why not try attitude. Such great advice. Well, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, won't you do me the honor of rating this podcast? It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories featured on the Indie Business Podcast. You can also share episodes from the blog at IndieBusinessNetwork.com to your favorite social media outlets. I will see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder and create the life you love.